welcome to the Nutrition Science Podcast, where we help you cut through the noise and make informed, science-based decisions about nutrition and your health. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Nutrition Science Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Adrian Chavez, and in this episode, we are going to discuss fasting. We're going to discuss whether or not there are unique health benefits to practicing fasting. And when I say fasting, I mean going long periods of time without eating. There's various ways that people have done this. There's the standard shortened eating window, which is typically called intermittent fasting. And that can look like 16 hours of fasting and then an eight hour eating window. So if you're doing that, for example, if you stop eating at 8 p.m., you're going to go 12 hours to 8 a.m. and then another four hours to 12 p.m. And that's going to be your next meal. There's various approaches similar to the 16-8. There's 18-6. There's 24. And then there's some individuals who actually do one meal a day and who swear by that. And there's also what's called alternate day fasting or alternate day fasting. And this is going completely one day without eating any food and the next day eating whatever you want. And another popular approach is going very long periods of time without eating three, five, seven days, 10 days, even longer than that in some cases. This is popularized in various circles, on social media and in alternative health circles. And what I want to do today is just discuss what the research shows in terms of benefits to fasting and whether or not, you know, it's something that you should be practicing. And if so, what types of fasting are going to be most beneficial? So the first thing that I want to mention is that the research on the benefits of fasting is vast. And there are many benefits that have been demonstrated from using various fasting protocols to improve health, to promote weight loss, to reduce LDL cholesterol, to improve triglycerides, to improve insulin sensitivity, to improve blood pressure. All of these things have been demonstrated over and over again in randomized control trials testing the benefits of fasting. There was one study that was published in 2021 that I'll cite in the show notes. This was an umbrella review of meta-analyses. This included a ton of studies and it showed that fasting unequivocally has these health benefits. So fasting has health benefits. There's no disputing that. However, this is the important piece. When people fast, they are reducing their caloric intake. In almost every study, in every study that shows health benefits, there's also weight loss. And the important thing that we have to try to understand is whether or not the benefits that we see from fasting are because of the fasting or if they're because of the calorie restriction that occurs as a result of the fasting and then the subsequent weight loss that occurs as a result of maintaining a calorie-restricted diet. Because when we have a claim saying fasting does this, we have to really understand, is it fasting or is it just calorie restriction? So in order to test that, 
we have to look at studies that have looked at that have compared fasting versus calorie restriction. And this has been done. There was a meta-analysis that was published in 2020 that included 28 studies, and they com- they included studies that only had a comparison group. So the previous study that I mentioned didn't have a comparison group that was also doing an, a calorie-restricted diet. They didn't equate calories between groups. All they did was have a control group that usually did nothing in most cases versus fasting, which is typically going to lead to a reduction in calories. In this meta-analysis, the studies included compared fasting to calorie restriction. And what they showed was that the benefits were essentially similar or essentially the same between fasting and calorie restriction. Of course, some studies show slight benefits because it's hard to really equate calories in these studies unless you're feeding people. And feeding people, say you had 100 people in a study, feeding them for 12 weeks, that's a that's a task. If you think about from a logistical standpoint, providing someone's meals, or everybody's meals in this type of study for 12 weeks is almost impossible. And that's one of the reasons that nutrition research can be challenging. So oftentimes in many of these studies, what they're doing is they're giving one group a calorie target and they're telling the other group to fast. And when we do that and when calories are equal between groups, we don't really see any benefits of fasting. There doesn't seem to be any any additional health outcomes from fasting. And this is also supported by another study that was published in 2022, had 43 randomized controlled trials, concluded essentially the same thing. There is no difference between fasting and calorie restriction protocols in terms of health benefits when we compare the two. When we look at fasting versus nothing, fasting has a lot of health benefits. Same as when we look at calorie restriction versus nothing, Calorie restriction has a lot of health benefits, but when we look at fasting versus calorie restriction, what we see is that the benefits of fasting seem to be because of the calorie restriction. And so as a result, we can say that fasting is more of a tool than a unique method for improving health. Now, I know many of you who may have heard about fasting before, heard people talking about fasting, maybe heard some great information that sounded really compelling. People talked about growth hormone and autophagy and other factors where they were speculating about health benefits that may occur as a result of fasting due to the energy-deprived state that occurs when we fast. This is speculation. This is what we call mechanistic speculation. This is saying, okay, because we see this occur, we expect these health outcomes to occur, but we don't see the health outcomes. And the reason we don't see the health outcomes is because fasting creates acute phases, short-term phases, where there are changes in the metabolic profile, there are changes in the way that the body's working during that period of time, but they don't necessarily equate to long-term benefits because it's short-term. 
So when we look at, for example, one of the things that's talked about quite often is a, a concept called autophagy. And this concept is a process by which when our body is in an energy deprived state, it will break down various proteins that are not being used and organelles that are not being used. And because it needs those amino acids elsewhere, either for energy or for building blocks for other parts of the body, because there isn't energy available through food, the body has to now go in and break down some of these unused cellular debris, essentially. And this is often presented, and I've been guilty of thinking this way in the past as well, as a benefit of fasting because it's like a cellular cleaning because those proteins that are not being used, that are taking up space, will get broken down when you take on a fast. And autophagy, this process, is upregulated. That means the body will turn up the amount that it's doing of this because of the fact that there's not energy coming in from food. The important piece here to understand, though, is that this process occurs whether or not you're fasting. Autophagy is going to respond to energy availability. So if you're in a calorically deprived state, your body is turning that up a little bit as well. And the other important piece is we don't even necessarily know that more autophagy is necessarily a good thing. Really ramping up this process equals starvation. Like our body will be at maximal autophagy right before we starve to death. That's not a good thing. And so sometimes we think People can make these processes that occur within our cells and occur in response to some of these things in the short term sound like they're supposed to have all of these different health benefits, but the reality is that data's not there. There's not evidence to demonstrate that turning up autophagy through fasting acutely has any long-term health benefits of any sort. And this is not something that is often, or this is not the way that fasting is often presented by individuals who are proponents of fasting. So I've seen, I've listened to podcasts, this is why I became so familiar with this data, is because I listen to podcasts of smart people who study this topic, who talk about the cellular mechanisms, and who make it seem like this is something that we, we need to be doing. But according to the available data, the randomized control trials that are available on fasting and health outcomes, there doesn't seem to be a unique benefit of it. Now, if you enjoy doing it, fine, that, that can be great, but it's not something that you have to do or that you're going to get any unique benefit from it. Now, there may be, we may come to find out that there is some some sort of benefit to intermittent fasting versus non-fasting. But at this point, there's not good evidence to demonstrate or support that. And I wanted to do this episode because I know a lot of the information that's provided about fasting 
fails to mention that none of these studies and none of these outcomes are are different than what we find with regular weight loss or regular calorie restriction. And the reality is that not everyone needs to be restricting calories. And so fasting is promoted to a lot of people who already aren't eating enough. And then they're trying to intermittent fast and they eat less. And that's not ideal. If you need to lose weight and you could benefit from going on a more calorie restricted diet, then this might be a tool for you. But if you're not someone who is in that position of needing to lose weight, this this isn't something that you need to be doing. Now, with that being said, there is a slight caveat to this body of literature where the timing of our meals may be a little bit more important. I think I've talked about this in a podcast before, but when we consume a larger percentage of our energy earlier in the day, and we cut off our dinner earlier in the day, so this would constitute somewhat of a fast. This is called early time-restricted feeding. So let's say, for example, you have a big breakfast at 8 a.m., you have a lunch at noon, and then you have a dinner at 4 p.m., and then that's that's your last meal, or 5 p.m., and that's your last meal, and you go 12 hours, or let's say you did it at 4 p.m., that would be 16 hours, and that would be a 16-hour fast. There is some evidence, there's an increasing body of evidence, and I'll cite a recent meta-analysis that included 12 randomized control trials that was published earlier this year on this specific topic. But there is a growing body of evidence to show that if you do practice an intermittent fasting protocol that resembles this approach, that's more of an early time-restricted feeding, where you're having a pretty big breakfast, you're cutting off dinner earlier, even when calories are equated, there have been multiple trials that have shown benefits in glucose control and in body weight and body composition. The changes aren't massive. Like it's not like someone's blood fasting blood glucose goes from 120 to 99. You know, these are small but significant changes in these various outcomes that if it's convenient for you, may warrant structuring your eating in that way. If it's not, and you have a family or something, and, and it just, you know, you, you are done with practices, and you get home, and dinner is going to be at seven, because that's when you get home for the night, and that's when you're able to, you know, put food on the table. Not a big deal. I wouldn't worry too much about it. But if you wanted to, quote unquote, optimize your eating schedule and you wanted to do the approach or follow the approach that is likely to be best for overall metabolic health and body composition, doing that earlier time-restricted eating approach may be worthwhile. But overall, I do not see the value outside of using fasting as a tool to help you to manage calories better or in some cases like for example I used to fast a lot and one of the things that I noticed personally is I I felt less hunger when I went longer periods of time without eating 
And I thought that was helpful in some cases because like be traveling or airport and I just didn't feel like I needed to eat after like five or six hours of not having a meal. And so I thought that was like kind of convenient. <laughs> I do not fast like that anymore. There are some days where I don't eat breakfast because I had a big dinner or I work out early in the morning and it's cardio and I don't want to eat. Like I go play basketball on Saturdays and I do that fasted and I don't eat until 11 or 12, but I'm not doing it for any magical health benefits. I'm doing it just because it's convenient for my schedule. And so that is how fasting can be used, but I don't recommend doing it thinking I have to fast 16 hours every day in order to be healthy because it's not the case, or I have to go 24 or 48 hour fast in order to be healthy. It's not the case. And oftentimes this fasting, especially in someone who has a history of under eating or a history of restriction with different dietary approaches can turn into another disordered habit where it's hyper restrictive, you're under eating. And for many individuals who are more sensitive to it, especially women, because women are just more sensitive to under eating in terms of hormonal and metabolic changes that tend to occur, this can just not be the ideal approach. And I, I see a lot of people doing one meal a day or, you know, doing 18 hours a day of fasting. And it's just not necessary. I'm a big proponent of nourishing your body properly. Of course, not overeating, but going all day without eating and you know putting yourself to only eat in these various windows and not responding to your hunger cues and eating around your own schedule and what's convenient for you, I don't think is worthwhile for many people. If you find it a, a useful tool, great, like I said, but definitely be careful with it and don't approach it as something that's going to solve your problems because it's just not, it's, it's, it might help you eat less. That's it. In terms of additional health or metabolic you know, weight loss benefits, it's just not shown. All right. So that's all I have for this episode. This topic is a little bit more straightforward, although there's a lot of information that makes it seem much more complicated. The reality is that it's not that complicated. Like we don't have data right now to show any additional benefits beyond what we can show with calorie restriction. It's that simple. If data changes, I will change my stance on this topic. If we have studies that show, okay, fasting, when we equate calories, major health benefits for various conditions, I will completely change my stance on this. But for now, this is where we're at. I hope this episode was helpful. If you are enjoying the show, you find value in the show, it would be incredibly helpful, appreciated if you would go over and leave a review. If you're listening to this on Apple, you have to go search the uh, show on Apple and leave a review through that. I don't know how to leave a review on the other platforms like Spotify and Google Play, but I'm sure you can figure it out, but it would be incredibly helpful, helps to get the word out on the show, get the message and helps like recommend my show to more people and then helps to show people like why they should listen. So I would really appreciate it if you could go leave a review as always. As I mentioned, you can support the show directly through PayPal. I'm going to be closing off the Patreon because I have something else coming, 
that I think is going to be incredibly valuable for those who want to, number one, support the show, but just get value from it as well, because I'm putting together an, a comprehensive resource and a membership site that I think is going to be incredibly valuable for many of you, but I'll announce that pretty soon. But if you want to support the show through these various ways, it will be greatly, greatly appreciated. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Nutrition Science Podcast. I hope you all have a great day and we will talk soon.